I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Today, I will be taught the incorruptible, indestructible Word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I won't go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, just bless your word in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that it will come out in only the way that you want it to come out. That, God, it will be encouraging and uplifting and motivating. And that these people, God, today, including myself, will know that at the end of the day, you've got our dreams in the palm of your hand. Amen and amen. All right, you may be seated and turn to Exodus 1, 22. Exodus 1, 22. Exodus 1. 22. All right, so I'm going to move real quickly here for you. But Exodus 1:22. When you're there, say amen. Okay, so here's what is happening. And Pharaoh charged all his people. We're talking about the making of a dream. The making of a dream. How is a dream made? And the Pharaoh charged all his people saying, Every son that is born, you shall cast into the river... And every daughter you shall save alive. And chapter 2, verse 1. And there went a man out of the house of Levi and took to his wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to see what would be done to him. Hmm. What would be done to the dream? Psalm 14, 6 says this. Do you think you can mess with the dreams of the poor? You can't. For God makes... Their dreams come true. God makes your dream. There is a making process to your dream. And sometimes we believe because we have inspiration that that's the time for implementation. And so we get these ideas, we get this, 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 this unction, and we think because we have been inspired that it is time for us to do what we are inspired but the Bible says here that God, he makes the dream. That's a process that has to happen. The making of a dream. And a dream is made before it's manifest. Now, there's four parts to making a dream. The first part is a dream must show up. Say, show up. The second thing is a dream must suffer. Jeez, say, suffer. Third thing is that a dream must surrender. And the last thing is a dream will save. So let's look at the dreamer in my story. And of course, you know, this is a story about Moses, right? So you would think I'm talking about Moses. I'm talking about his mama. Yes, I am talking about his mama. <laughs> Moses' mom was named Jochebed. And Moses was her dream. The Bible declares that he had an older brother named Aaron and he had an older sister named Miriam. 
But when this situation was happening, the Bible says that when she saw the child, it was a goodly child. This was a different dream from the ones that she had before. See, she, this was a different idea. This one here spoke a little bit something different. But it was at this time that Pharaoh was trying to kill the boys. At the time of her birthing of her dream. At the time of her having this, 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 this awesome um, idea, this awesome, incredible thing that was different from before. It was here that her dream was about to be assassinated. There was an edict, kill all the male boys and put them in the river. A dream shows up, so she's excited. But the baby's here now. She can't hide it anymore. Can't hide it anymore. It's, it's like you. You have, a, a, you have an idea. And, you know, for, for you, you can say, boy, I want to go on a vacation. And you tell your husband, I want to go on a vacation. And, uh, you know, you've been dreaming about it. You've been cutting pictures out and all that. And so now you start getting so excited. You start saying something, and he just thinks he just sees money with wings. Money with wings. But, you know, you're so excited and you start packing up your stuff and you put your suitcase together and you are outside and he's like, where are you going? I'm, I'm, going, I'm going on vacation. But you just told me this morning that we're trying to go on vacation. Oh, oh, see, but you had been planning the vacation for eight months. You've been stewing on it. It's, you've been impregnated with it and now it's showing up. And so sometimes we, we, we don't understand that Jochebed here she had a vision. She saw Moses. And this church may birth something in you. You may see a different aspect to your business. You may get a vision for your, for your family. Or you may get a picture of what God wants to do. And so, you know, at first you want to hide it. But then, like a baby, it eventually your belly swells and it begins to show. It begins to show. Now, do you know that if you are pregnant and you have a baby at six months, the survival rate is 1%. But if you have the baby at eight months, the survival rate is 80%. And if the baby goes full term, then the survival rate is even higher and the birth defects even lower. What am I saying? Just because it's showing, don't mean it's time to give birth. Excitement is not enough for fulfillment. Your dream has to suffer. So it has to show up. You get this idea, you're excited, not ready. It has to cook a little longer. But no, it has to suffer. Here's what I really, really, really love about Jochebed. You know, God validates your dreams in the rivers of suffering. She understood that. Think about this. Exodus 1, the last verse says, Then Pharaoh commanded his men to throw the babies in the river. Chapter 2 says, She took her own baby and put him in the river. The very thing that was designed to destroy him was now going to be the very thing that was going to define him. The very thing that was created to make him fail, she was going to surrender him to see if it would make him float. What am I saying? Your dream has to go through the process of suffering. She did not know what would happen with the child. The Bible says, what would become of the child? And we don't want to put our dreams, our desires, through the river of suffering. We would rather it just be, you know, skip to Maloo, you clap your hands, click your heels, and bam, shazam, it happens. But that is not how the process of God works. There has to be a breaking. There has to be a suffering. There has to be a suffering. So here it is. You can imagine she's so excited. 
And then she willingly submits to the process. She willingly takes Moses and puts him down there. And, you know, many of us want to jump out the river because we see little waves and stuff. But we know we can't swim. So I don't know why we're trying to jump out the river, right? But what you didn't understand is God is always watching your dream. Because the Bible says that Miriam followed Moses to see what would happen. So when you have a dream, when you have a desire, when we as a church, we have, you know, we have this building. We have this dream and we've been talking about it and we drew buildings about it. And so it's beginning to show. Well, then you go through the suffering part. Will it happen? Is it going to come to pass? Oh, my gosh, we have haters. Oh, people are trying to stop us. The bank said no the first time. So, so this is the suffering. That's the suffering part. You know, you have a, a business and you can't get the loan. Or you, you want to go get a car and you, you, your credit just overnight, something happens. That's the suffering part. That's the proving part. That's the see, do you really, really, really want it? So here, here you know. Let me give you an idea. Let me give you an idea. Some months ago, Heaven had, um, I was telling her, you need to serve. So she serves, but I needed her to consistently serve. And I don't want to push her because she's the pastor's kid to be this perfect kid because she's 15. So just like your kid is 15, mine is 15. Just like yours may have an attitude, mine may have an attitude. I might beat her, but she may have an attitude. I told her, as long as my arm can reach. <laughs> and so I said, Heaven, I need you to pray about it. Because see, what I believe, and I, I'm, I don't know because I don't know the next 10 years of her life. But currently, what I believe is if I can get her to have a relationship with God, a living, breathing relationship with God, that she experiences God for herself. When she's away from me at college, I don't have to worry about what she's doing because her relationship with God would work. But if I have to make her relationship with God, if I have to tell her, you need to read your Bible every day, let me see what you're doing. Let me, if I have to manipulate her relationship with God, when she's from under my care, she does not have any motivation because she's never seen God for herself. So I said, pray. Ask God. Let him talk to you. And she said, you know what? I, I know what God wants me to do. I know what God wants me to do. I'm going to develop the worship team and to develop the worship arts in the, young, in the young people's ministry. And so she said, oh, mom, we're going to have smoke on the screen, on the stage. And we're going to have the dancers leaping out. They're going to have neon lights. I mean, this is, once you hear from God, I said, whoa, 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 Nelly. Whoa, 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 Nelly. All these grandiose ideas are awesome. Uh, who going to do these ideas? Where's the budget for these ideas? Where's the proposal for these ideas? Where's the job descriptions? Where's the org chart? Where's the six-month plan? Where's the two-year plan? Where's the phasing in? Where's the phasing out? When are you going to have rehearsals? When are you going to meet? Who are you going to submit it under? You, that's great to have an idea. An idea on its own is nothing. There are a million ideas in here. How many people do their idea? How many people dream of something that you've been dreaming for 10 years and still hadn't happened? So you, ideas, awesome. Your pregnancy is great. You don't take your prenatal. You don't go to your checkup. You don't see what to take your scans. You don't eat the right food. You don't you know, take care of yourself. That baby's going to be at risk. So she had to go suffer. And I said, it's not my vision. It's not my dream. God didn't tell me to raise up the young people group. So I'm not doing it for you. 
to suffer on your own. Just like we have to suffer on our own for the vision God has given us, she has to suffer on her own. And she did it. 20-something page proposal. Submitted it. And it's in process right now. So many of your kids will hear about it in the next couple of weeks that they can be a part of it. Amen? All right. Breaker, breaker. We want to test the microphone to say, My dance was like, he's over there pop locking his mother does with me. He got skill. Anyway, back to the tape, back to the tape. All right. <laughs> you get what I'm saying, right? The dream has to suffer. The dream has to suffer. So she had to plan it out, you know, find out who she's going to reach and all that good stuff, right? So you may have a marriage of your dreams in your mind's eye, but you're not doing nothing. In your mind, you think, oh, I want my wife to be happy. You don't want to take out the trash. You don't want to open the door. You know, you see she put something on you. She said, do I look good in here? You're like, mm -hmm. But you don't want to buy nothing to look good in? What's up with that? What? What? You know, or for you as a, you know, as a wife, you know, you want your husband to, you know, make sure. Oh, my God, the images that are coming in my head. Stop it. I think we just did communion, didn't we? The blood. You want your husband to not just have sex and roll over. But, but you don't do nothing to encourage any other behavior. Anyway. <laughs> you have a vision of your kids doing well in school, but you don't want to help them with no homework. You don't want to do... You don't want to talk to the teacher. You don't want to show up at PTA. You don't even know where the school is. You just send them on a bus. <laughs> They're sending you these little things, telling you, you know, have a failing grade, and you're thinking, oh, 70, so that's cool. All right. No. You got to be able to suffer. Suffering is the waiting. Suffering is in waiting. When Moses grew up, he saw the suffering of the Egyptians. You remember? And he got up, and he killed one of the Egyptians because they were abusing the Israelites. He was already a deliverer. But he wasn't ready. And because he wasn't ready, he did something dumb. His passion. God was birthing in him a passion for the people of Israel. God was making him into a deliverer. And he jumped out so soon that he created a murder. He committed a homicide. He fled Egypt, and he had to suffer. He had to mature. He was a six-month deliverer. You see, he wasn't ready. David was anointed king in front of everybody. But he was sent back to the sheep. He wasn't automatically king. He had to go back because he needed more discipline. Joseph's call was being made manifest when he got the coat. But he needed a pit to humble him. 
suffering. Jesus went into the temple at 13 years old. Ready, started teachings. I have to be about my father's business. All this stuff. And his mom said, come back over here. You need, you need to go home. 17 more years, Jesus suffered. And it was Jesus, the son of the living God. And yet he was not ready. He was not mature enough. He was not prepared enough. He was not disciplined enough. The Bible said he was submitted unto the discipline. You're, you're hearing a bad report and you just abandon your dream. You get the first no and you cave in. No, you're in the river of suffering. You're in the river of suffering. Your suffering has significance, so don't cast it away. It's working out something in you. And it's working something in you. Something out and something in. The next thing is your suffering must surrender. There's something you must surrender. When you are going through the river of suffering, God is requiring of you to surrender something. It could be your pride. It could be your dream like Joseph. Joseph's dream had to die. It died so much. The Bible said he didn't even remember the dream. It said when, he, when those, those brothers came back, it said, and when Joseph remembered, for you to remember, you had to forget. When we're suffering, we make choices that record confidence in the dream. You know, I was in Bible school one time, and I gave a lot of trouble. Like, not a little trouble. I mean, like, a lot of trouble. So much trouble that after two weeks of being in the Bible college, I was put on probation. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what happened with that. Was it allowed? You know, when Pastor Evan first met me, he didn't meet me. He heard me. He heard me first, and I was singing. And he said to his friend, I would never marry somebody loud like her. He didn't even see me yet, because if he had seen me, he would have seen I was so cute, he could have forgiven my loudness. <laughs> but he went and made a vow. I would never marry somebody as loud as her. Oh, well, here you are. <laughs> so I had to suffer through the probation. Okay, because I was just, man, no, I was like the unsaved, okay? I didn't like grow up in church. So when I got born again, I didn't know how to say hallelujah. I didn't know how to raise my hands. I didn't have church clothes. I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know how you're supposed to behave. And so when I went to Bible school, it, wasn't, it was only like three years, maybe two or three years later after, or maybe three years or so later. And so when that happened, I still don't know you're supposed to wear a slip under your skirt. For what is hot? You know, I'm violating every kind of dress code. You know, they want me to wear these different color things under my shirts. And I'm like, you have to wear that under your shirt. My mom don't wear that stuff. We just go free. <laughs> Why do I have to that stuff? You know, I'm just saying. So I was in trouble all the time. Then when it wasn't my cause and I took up your cause, I was just always looking for a fight. So I'm on probation. And I'm suffering and I'm rebelling against the probation. Oh, I tell you, I am rebelling against the probation. One of the things they had was um, they wanted all the boys to wear ties. So you had to wear ties. It's Jamaica. It's hot. You, just need, you need minimal wear. I mean, it's humid and it's hot. So this doesn't have nothing to do with me. Remember, it's the boys must wear the ties. The boys, not the girls. But what do I do in mockery? 
I make a super large cardboard tie and put around my neck. A big tie and go to chapel that evening. And then got my other little rebellious friends to wear them too as a mockery that we don't need to wear ties. We. It don't even apply to me. Probation. Probation. Yeah, this, these are so, just some of the reasons why. And I, I, I knew from I was 15 I was called to ministry. I knew that I knew. I didn't want to do anything else. I went to a camp. I got delivered from some demons for real. And then I knew. And I didn't want to do anything else. But I was not ready. I went to Bible college and they were trying to teach me submission to authority. And I was going, I don't need any authority. I'm submitted to God. What you saying? I'm 15 years old. I know what God said to me. You 35, you don't know what God's saying to you. I'm very clear on the voice of God. I need no one else to confirm. Probation. That's, that's why I was on probation. I knew. They had me write out every authority scripture in the Bible. My idea was that they, when I went, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so holy and I'm really hearing God. And it's their plan and design to make me into Joyce Meyer. That's what their job is. My job is to submit to their making me into Joyce Meyer. But they weren't recognizing my talents. And no, I kept trying to tell them, I am the one that you have waited for. If there was a second Messiah, it would be me. Why can't you see the glory? You know what? These people have eyes and they see not. They have ears and they hear not. For their hearts are hardened unto the ways of God. This is how I think. But they want me to submit. And I didn't want to, so I quit. Oh yes, I left the little Bible college. It's like, I don't need this Bible college. I can go somewhere else. As a matter of fact, I wasn't going anywhere else because now I'm going to just start my ministry all on my own. I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody. So I quit. And I went to a, uh, a mission trip. And on the mission trip, God says, you need to go back and submit to the dean of students. I said, I am not going back to her. First of all, she has a vendetta against me. She likes my brother and she hates me. So you know what? I'm not going. And God says, and then, you know, had one of my accountability, loosely accountability, people say, sorry, you know, I was praying about it. Why are you praying about me? Why you need to pray about yourself? Why, I, 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 did I solicit your prayers? No. His name was Wesley Boynes. And he said, he's from Trinidad. And he was like, so I think you, you know, I've been praying and God told me you need to go back to Bible school. I said, no, man. And then, you know, another girl who's totally unrelated said, you need to go back to Bible school. So I went back to Bible college. I did not want to go. And then I re-enrolled. I want to let you know, I re-enrolled. Re-enrolled, right? Because you had to leave. Do you know when I re-enrolled, they re-enrolled me into probation? When you enroll, you're supposed to get a new slate. A clean record. I was re-enrolled into the probation program. I have never seen nothing like that. I, you know, I need to take that up with me. Oh, and Vern. And I, you know, but then, I, you know, by then my heart was softened and the Lord was showing me what he was trying to do. He's trying to make me. I thought the making process for me being Joyce Meyer meant they were just going to put me up on the platform and let me preach right now. I didn't know I needed some discipline, some humility, some patience, some maturity, some wisdom. I didn't know that. I just felt, you call me to preach, put me up now. 
And I began to change. My heart began to change. And even when I changed, she did not recognize I changed. I could have been offended, but I was no longer doing it for her. I was now doing it for God. And I had submitted to the river of suffering. And I said, God, however long you have me under this woman here, fine. Until I began to like her, which was a miracle. And even when my director, two weeks before my graduation, he came and said, why is she still on probation? Haven't you seen her change? He took me off. And in that probation, I want to tell you, it was very hard for me because I was very passionate about children's ministries. I was in every children's ministry. The orphan ministry, I was on the street children's ministry. I was on railroad fellowship uh, children's ministry with the little children down in the ghetto. I was on children's ministry every day. And they took all the children's ministries from me. And that's when they broke me because I said, oh my God, I can't, I can't not do children's ministry. How do I not do children's ministry? Are you crazy? You can't just come out to children's ministry. When you're working with kids like that, you can't just abandon kids. And they wouldn't let me say goodbye. They wouldn't, nothing. You can't represent the school. I mean, they stripped me down, made me look like I was just a heathen. And I'm thinking I'm doing the right thing. I'm standing up for God. But they took everything from me. And that's why I wanted to quit. On my graduation day, I mean, I wrote a song about it. It's actually on the Christ for the Nations um, CD um, about it. But, you know, I'm so feeling sorry for myself. Here are the words. Who stands beside me when I'm all alone? <laughs> who's the one who's not ashamed to call me his own? Because I said I couldn't represent the school. Who picks me up when I'm all broken inside? Jesus Christ, my friend, he reigns on high. At my graduation, the children from Railroad Ministry took the bus, walked, and found me. They didn't have on no shoes, but they came to my graduation. And I said, the suffering was worth it. The suffering was worth it. I had to surrender from my mistakes, repent from my jealousies, my envies, my self-pity, my bad attitudes. And I'm not alone. There are many people in the Bible who had to surrender something that was holding up the fulfillment of a God-ordained desire. David had to surrender his affair with Bathsheba. That was a hiccup for him. But he had to surrender it. Naaman had to surrender his position. To get healed. Elijah had to surrender his self-pity when he thought everybody was going to kill him. I'm out here by myself. God is like, you're not out here by yourself. I got a whole lot of other prophets. Get up, man. He had to surrender his self-pity or he would have never obeyed the next step in God. Sarah had to submit, surrender her unbelief or she would have never had Isaac. Paul had to surrender his past successes. Your degrees, what you think you accomplished. How awesome you are. Paul had to surrender that to be used of God. The woman at the well had to surrender her exes. The child support you're not getting. The bad mother-in-law. The sister-in-law that's just giving you a headache. The ex-boyfriend. The woman at the well had to submit her exes. <laughs> Samson had to submit his pornography. Job had to submit his pride. He had to surrender his pride. Peter had to surrender his denial. When he denied Jesus, he felt so bad. Had he not surrendered that unto God, he would have just stayed stuck. He would have never become the apostle he was. Jesus had to surrender his will. And Moses had to surrender the bad decision of killing that Egyptian. We have a choice today. 
to stick it out and surrender it. The Bible says here, and I'm closing, that the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself. And the, you know, and when she came to wash herself, she saw the baby and it was crying. The promise was crying. And God was showing it to me that he has a rescue plan for you in place. Jochebed could not have seen down the river. So God already had Moses' sister watching him the whole time. God is watching over you even if you're in the middle of your suffering. Even if you're in the middle of that river. You know, Moses didn't see the river. He was in pitch black. I know when we think of him being in the bassinet, we think it's like one of those Eddie Bar bassinets. It wasn't. It was thatched and pitched and like in a cocoon. All he would have seen was darkness was around him. All he would have felt was tossing and, and moving. He would not have known there was salvation at the end. All he could do was to cry out. And the promise kept crying out and saying, save me, save me. And the daughter of Pharaoh heard him. And when she saw him, the Bible says, she drew him out of the water and called him Moses. Because he survived that which was to kill him. She named him Moses because she drew him from that which was going to overtake him. And God is calling you champion. God is calling you winner. God is calling you successful. Because what is designed to kill you will only make you stronger. Whatever process you are going through right now, surrender to God. Whatever you're waiting on. What is that dream that you are going like? Oh, I want to see my kid's success. I want to have that baby. I want to see myself on stage. What is that dream? Suffer it. Surrender it. And it will save you in the end. Moses grew up to be a great deliverer. He grew up to save millions of people. But had ye not recognized Moses from the day he was born from the day he was put in that river, was already a deliverer. He wasn't a deliverer on the end. He had to be made into what God had seen him. But he was already predestined to do that. Your attack is a proof of your assignment. He wasn't even a year old and he was being attacked. What is the devil trying to attack you with? Doubt, fear, unbelief? It will never happen? Is that his attack on you? Suffer and surrender your unbelief. Suffer and surrender your fear. Suffer and surrender your, your arrogance. It's like this glow stick. They never shine until they're broken. That's the same process God is doing with you. You'll only glow when you break. What is God asking you to surrender right now? Matthew 5, 17 says that it's all for his glory so he can get praise. That are good works. Good works, not half-hearted works. So when you surrender fully to God, he has the ability to fulfill the process and carry through the promise. And not only will you be elevated, but you will bless so many people in the process. So let's take a second and as we get ready to pray, what is God asking you to surrender? What do you need to stop fighting him on? What right do you need to give up? But they just treat me bad. I, I got a right. I know you have the right, but can you surrender it to God and let him be your defense? 
Can you surrender that, that person on your job that's agitating you and let God be your, your shield and your, your right guard? Can, can, can you surrender today? Father, in Jesus' name, we just come to you in full surrender. God, we know things don't always go like how we plan or even sometimes how we desire. And it sometimes seems confusing because it seems the way you're taking us makes no sense at all. It seems like we're supposed to be going forward, but we're being pushed backward. Or we're supposed to be going right and we're being pushed left. And we're feeling ignored or invisible. But so was Moses. He was invisible. Not just once. He was invisible on the river. He was invisible on the other side of the desert. God, when we go through these times of darkness, when we go through these times of proving and testing, help us to remember your angels are always watching and there's a rescue plan at the end of the journey. We love you, God, because your eye is never off of us. Even if there's an assignment against us, your eye is never off of us. And what people have planned, what the enemy has planned, the Bible declares for evil, you will turn it around for good. For all things work together for good. Because we love you and are called according to your purpose. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and